the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Hello, it is the Nick D Podcast. How are you? I'm Nick DeGilio. I am your host. This is the Nick D Podcast on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. It is episode number 101. Uh, and if you haven't listened to episode 100, lots of fun going back and listening to uh, some great uh, clips uh, from interviews that we've done in the past. Uh, a star-studded episode, really. Check out episode 100 and a lot of really fun uh, contributions and voicemails from people who were past guests or regulars or contributors to the past. Me and Esmeralda had a great time talking about the show and listening to all the great podcast uh, interviews from the past. Uh, some really great uh, celebrities and some great stuff. So check out uh, episode 100 and thank you for subscribing. Thank you for supporting and thank you for being a part of the Nick D podcast. And we are here past episode 100 on to episode 101. Hey, be a sponsor, man. We reach a lot of people. If you've got an advertisement, you've got something you want to advertise, do it. Contact us sales at radiomisfits.com. You want to be a part of the podcast by sending a voicemail, uh, any message you want. Voicemail messages are open 24, seven, seven days a week, all the time, anytime. Leave your voicemail message at 773-417-6948. You can also drop us an email, nickdpodcast at gmail.com. We want to hear back from you with your thoughts and your contributions and anything that you want to say to us or anything that's uh, like that. Send us an email, nickdpodcast at gmail.com. Voicemail at 773-417-6948. Those are the two ways that you can get in touch with me to be your magic megaphone message uh, contact. Yes. I will give you the magic megaphone message that you want. It is this thing where people want me to talk into the megaphone. It magically comes out all weird and echoey. We talk about the stories. You can communicate with somebody in some way. You want a magic megaphone message? You let me know. I'm your megaphone monkey. So do it that way too. Uh, and also, if you want to be a part of the podcast by asking questions or, uh, or any of that kind of stuff, we would love to hear from you. Jason Skaggs, thank you, my man in Houston. Thank you to Ed and everybody at Radio Misfits. And please check out all the really cool podcasts at radiomisfits.com. And rate and review us on every platform. You can discuss us at radiomisfits.com. But please take the time, rate and review us. And we want to hear back from you uh, as well. It is episode 101. It is a Tuesday. I hope you had a fantastic uh, Christmas weekend. Merry Christmas to those who celebrate Merry Christmas. Um, and uh, we thank you for, uh, for, your, for, for your patronage all year long. We are leading up to New Year's. Yes, 2023 is coming up. And uh, in the early part of January, we'll be doing some podcasts dedicated to year-end wrap-up and some of the best and some of the worst things. In fact, um, coming up next week, Eric Childress and Steve Procopi will join me, and we will do a full episode dedicated entirely to the best movies of 2022. And speaking of that, coming up in just a couple of seconds, Dan Feinberg is going to join us. He is from The Fine Print, F-I-E-N, The Hollywood Reporter, best TV critic in the country. And we're going to talk about some of his favorites, the best 
of 2022 and some of the great TV stuff that we've seen all year. Esmeralda Leon, my partner in crime, is going to join me. We got a megaphone message that we're going to do. Uh, We've got some uh, voicemails and some emails to catch up with. We are going to talk about celebrities who became heroes. Very heroic acts by some celebrities coming up. And we will continue with our crazy Japanese food taste testing with some snacks and some candies. That will continue as well. And speaking of voicemails, we love to share the voicemails. And again, if you want to leave a voicemail 24-7, anything you want to say, uh, 773-417-6948. Here's one of our old buddies here. Hey, Nick DeGilio. This is Waukegan J. I just want to say congratulations on the 100th episode of your podcast, man. That's awesome. I'm glad after the WGN or the car wash, I should say, I should say, uh, issue there or what happened there, which was, which sucked. I'm glad you picked yourself up and you started this podcast along with Esmeralda. That's great. You guys are a great team. Um, I know this message may not make it onto episode 100, but that's all right. You're going to have so many messages and emails that it's going to pour over into episode 101, 102, even maybe 103. And I definitely look forward to leaving a message for episode 200, 300, and then even 1,000, man. Oh, hell yeah. Can't wait for that. You're going to have to give away cars for that one, Nick. (laughs) Anyways, I'm proud of you, man. You know, keep it up. I'll keep listening. Yep. So, and happy holidays to everybody. All right. So take care, and I'll keep keep on trucking, dude. All right. Thank you, Waukegan Jay. Very kind of Waukegan Jay. I love Waukegan Jay. Thank you, buddy. Appreciate that. We've been getting a lot of great feedback for the podcast for all 101 episodes, and we thank you for it. We wouldn't be here without you. So thank you very much, and that was very kind of Waukegan uh, Jay. And, uh, yeah. And, by the way, if you want to come out and meet us, we are doing another live appearance at Zany's. Uh, the one that we did in November was so much fun and so successful that we want to do it again. We want to pack the place. So everybody who is listening to this podcast right now, you need to get your tickets and we'll pack the place. We've got really great prizes to give away, including you will get your very own autographed mega uh, megaphone, magic megaphone for your own. We'll be giving one of those away. We got dinners to give away and, uh, and gift certificates for uh, all kinds of cool stuff and swag. Uh, and all kinds of really great stuff. And on top of that, Esmeralda and I will tell great stories. It'll be audience interactive. You can be a part of the show. We'll do some taste tests. And the unbelievably brilliant stand-up comedian, one of the best stand-up comedians ever, Emmy Award winner, Dwayne Kennedy, is going to join us live on stage. And it all happens on Tuesday, January 17th, starting at 7.30 at Zanies in Rosemont. Get your tickets now. Let's pack the place. Uh, rosemont.zanies.com rosemont.zanies.com look for the Nick D podcast live Tuesday January 17th and be a part of a live podcast that will be put out on the on, into the world the next day and it will be forever uh, recorded and you can be a part of it we had a blast the last time and we want to have more fun and continue to do this monthly so uh, come out tell your friends let's tell your neighbors and let's pack the place and have a good time and again Dwayne Kennedy, one of the greatest stand-ups of all time, will join us. And speaking of stand-ups, my dad is going to tell a joke live on January 17th, and he will tell a joke later on in this very podcast. So 847-813-0484, that's the box office number at Zany's. Get your tickets now, 847-813-0484. Tuesday, January 17th, the Nick D Show, live uh, at Zany's, rosemont.zanies.com. Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and I love Nick's show. I know you do, baby. She won't be there, but she'll be there in spirit. 
And we want you to be there. Seriously. Interactive blast. You'll be a part of it. You'll laugh your ass off. You might walk out with some cool prizes and more. So be there at Zany's in Rosemont on January 17th. Let's pack the place. All right. Esmeralda Leon coming up a little bit later on. But right now, we'll take a little break to say congratulations. And then the one, the only, TV critic, best of 2022 is what we're going to be talking about with Dan Feinberg. But first, congratulations. Congratulations. You're about to listen to the Nick D podcast. It's by far the best decision you've made today. It makes the other podcasts seem like crap. Oh yeah, don't be a jackal. Somewhere else, Dan Feinberg. Yes. Well, um, as we begin doing our our, our year-end wrap-up of things, we're going to start with TV. I mean, uh, as uh, 2022 uh, comes to a close, and as 2023 begins, we shall look back at the year um, and, uh, you know, talk about the best and worst of things and uh, just on, uh, things that in, in general, news stories and entertainment and all that kind of stuff. And uh, we'll be talking about the year in pro wrestling uh, with Dr. Keith Lipinski on the next episode. And uh, my guys, Eric and, um, and uh, Steve, will be joining me and we will run down our favorite movies, the best movies of, of 2022 and the worst movies of 2022. But in, on the TV side, our expert is Dan Feinberg. Uh, you can find him uh, at The Fine Print, F-I-E-N, and at The Hollywood Reporter. And I wanted to get his thoughts on the best and worst, and just in general, uh, TV of 2022 and more. And so we say hello to our friend Dan Feinberg. Hello, Dan. Hello, Nick. Ho, ho, ho. Merry Christmas to you and all of your listeners, and a Happy New Year as well, I assume. Yes. Uh, yes. I hope. Happy New Year. I hope, yes. Well, we'll see. It doesn't happen for a couple of days, but we'll see uh, how the new year is. And, 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 uh, and we do hope for the best. And uh, it's always fun to, uh, you know, I've um, been doing this for such a long time, and I've been a you know, film critic for like 37 years, and it's always fun to look back at the movies of the year and to put the list together. And I put my list together of the best and worst movies, and I'm a very strange year for me movie-wise because a lot of the movies that everybody really loved and have included on their best list, I actually either dislike and actually have included on my worst list. And um, a lot of the films that I loved, six people saw. <laughs> that are on my, it's one of those it's a very strange year in that regard on the movie side um so i don't know this the, the cinematic equivalents of uh of welcome to flatch well yeah yeah i guess i guess so yeah i guess it is um <laughs> except that except that the reality is that no matter how few people actually watch flatch it's probably a larger number than the your more uh marginal movies i would guess I, I just feel like broadcast television as dead as it may be still yeah. is a way of reaching a wide number of people whereas your basic yeah. marginal indie movie well, not so many my favorite movie of of uh, 2022 uh, definitely was seen by m- much less people than watch any episode of welcome to uh, uh welcome to uh, fletch there's no question and- about it <laughs> 
<laughs> and, what, and what and what was that again? Or is that spoiling something? No, no, we, I've I've already. Do, I mean, the, the the episode on the podcast we're going to do, but I've already talked about it on WLS, and I've already you know dropped it on uh, on Facebook and stuff, and, and and you know social media. My favorite movie of last year was of twenty twenty two is Two Leslie, um, this uh, film with Andrea Riceboro, um, based on a true story. About a, a a woman in a small town in Texas who won a hundred ninety thousand dollars in the lottery, blew it all because she's an alcoholic and screwed up her entire life and her relationship with her son. And it's about her trying to get that life back with the help of people like Mark Maron, uh, who is also uh, great in it. Uh, and it also stars Stephen Root and Allison Janney. Um, it destroyed. I, I only I, know I only know it because it was directed by Michael Morris, who also directed uh, a terrific episode of Better Call Saul this year, yeah. and is a prolific television director. So he is. Uh, he's directed a lot of great stuff. Married to Mary McCormack, indeed, um, indeed. in real in, in the real world. And uh, this was his uh, feature film debut. Knocked it out of the park. And huh. Andre, Andrea Riceboro, for God's sake! I mean, <laughs> it's just absurd how how incredible she is and of course nobody's gonna you know like you know it's they're gonna give the academy award to either michelle yo or kate blanchett and uh, god and so anyway that just adds to my complete <laughs> utter amazement of the, of the at the films that everybody seems to love this year that i don't like but anyway two leslie was my favorite movie and six people saw it so as long as long as there are you know, as as long as as long as you feel passion for things and you and you want to bang the drum for them, that's all that matters. Maybe people will catch up with them yeah. eventually. I hope so. And I've been banging the drum. I've been driving people crazy. Friends of mine are like, "Shut up about two Leslie already," because it's just absurd. But anyway, so uh, <laughs> but we but we have like you and we also uh, you 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 did an article. Uh, who else who else contributed to the best episodes like single episodes article? Uh, at uh, yeah, uh, my my partner in crime Angie Han and I did you know the usual assortment of of end of the year stuff. So we each have our top ten lists, and then we did we did a list that is credited and headlined on the site as best episodes of 2022 but we emphasize in the intro that it's not really that because we had to set parameters and the parameters we set were uh, neither of us could include episodes from tv shows that were in our respective top tens so that's that's why for example there are no episodes in that list from atlanta from better call saul from reservation dogs so yeah you know it's you got you got to put a cap on it somewhere because otherwise there would be seven episodes from atlanta there and there yeah. wouldn't be any room for anything else so. gotcha okay well that makes sense well let's let's talk about your your favorite uh, episodes now overall i mean again it's it's you know over the years that we've been doing this, and, and you know, you've been a part of my, my radio show and now part of the podcast since the beginning, um, and you know, for years, and obviously the landscape of television has changed so vastly and so quickly over the past you know, 10, 15 years um, that what constitutes a year? I mean, because <laughs> shows debut at a certain time uh, and then their season ends not at the end of the year. Any, you know what I mean? It's, it's so what... How do you figure out the time frame of what is a quote-unquote year? It's as simple as if it aired an episode during 2022, that's what we're counting. But we're only counting the episodes that aired in 2022 as being eligible. So, uh, you know, for an episodic thing, and we didn't include either of these two shows, but we certainly could have, uh, something like... Station Eleven or uh, Yellow Jackets, two shows that aired a couple episodes in 2022, 
but were primarily 2021 shows, right, we right. definitely could have included those episodes. But, you know, we included episodes from both of those shows back in 2021. It, it almost felt like we were looking backwards too much to do that. Yeah, but gotcha. But then you, you're sort of you're looking at kind of strange definitional things like the strangeness of Atlanta having two full seasons in, in 2022 or better call Saul having aired what to some people feels like two seasons, but were really two pieces of the same season. It's, it's really just anything that when you go and you yeah. look at the air date, if it says 2022, it's eligible. Gotcha. And then in terms of just the, the best shows you go from you, the, the like best, like you're, we'll, we'll get into the list of your 10 favorite shows. Were those shows that began in 2022 and ended in 2022 as well? It it could have been shows that uh, that just aired episodes in 2022, but had premiered in other years and where we were just kind of registering the shows, that, the episodes that were in 2022. Mm-hmm. Uh, for, for the most part, they're all shows where their seasons in specific premiered in 2022. So gotcha. some of them are some of them are new shows, some of them are there are one or two documentaries that are entirely close-ended. It's you know, it's all just you you futz around and you find whatever rules you want yeah. to make. It's it's totally and completely arbitrary, okay. but it, once cool. we, once we're playing a completely subjective game, might as well be as arbitrary as you want to be. Well, absolutely, and you make up the rules, you know what I mean? Exactly. So, there you go. All right. And it's, well, and it's all you, and it's really all about singing the praises of the things we want to praise regardless right. of what it happens to be. It's true, and that's why I will not shut my goddamn mouth about two Leslie. Uh, so there you go. And no, and that's and that's where there's look honestly, that's where the value is. No one, no one really and truly needs to hear how much uh, you loved um, Avatar because everyone knows exactly how much you loved Avatar. But whatever it is, you know, it's it's made its nine hundred million dollars internationally right. so far. It'll make its it'll make its one point five, one point eight billion, whatever it makes. Right. You serve no purpose in in telling the world that you love Avatar so much. Whereas <laughs> you serve a lot of purpose when you tell the world that you love Dear Leslie because it's a movie that yeah. no one has heard of and if five right. people listen to your recommendation, yeah, that's more valuable than whatever and, happens with Avatar. And, and I hope that people do see Two Leslie, I really do and I also hope that um, people begin to recognize the incredible talent of Andrea Riceborough who is a chameleon. Who is an amazing actress. No, and and we've talked about this, about how part of what I suffer from is uh, Andrea Riseborough face blindness, is that I just never, uh, you know, she pops up in something and it really takes me 45 minutes to recognize it's her, which of course is is high praise for her. Um, I, I find that maybe for whatever reason, I just haven't liked enough of the things that she's done enough, but I... I respect her, and so yeah. you know, full full of respect. And if and if Dear Leslie popped up on a on a streaming service, I would totally seek it, it out. It's too Leslie, not Dear Leslie. Too Leslie. Get the, yeah, too Leslie. Sure. Totally so fair. Make sure you get that right when you're looking. It's on Apple. It, by the way, it's on Apple right now. It's oh, it on, already is. So I yeah, could I could totally yeah. just watch it. Well, it's on nice. Apple TV. It's on. I think he, I don't know if it's. I think he got, you might have to pay. I think it's a rented oh, thing. Oh, okay. You're saying it's like you're saying it's on, on demand thing. or pay per view yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. but anyway, Somet- uh, but it's out sometimes there. I do that. Sometimes I yeah. I prefer to wait for it to be on one of the things I'm already paying nine dollars yeah. or fifteen or seventeen. I understand. I understand that, and I think that's one of the reasons why you know I mean it never really got barely got a theatrical release it played in one theater here in chicago for uh, like a week huh. um and uh anyway but so anyway uh anyway andrea riceborough had a great year though um she, she is she, nothing if not prolific so yeah i mean she had a great year in, in terms of that i mean she was in amsterdam which is a movie that i liked that everybody else on the planet <laughs> hated 
Um, uh, please, baby, please. She was in that. She's in uh, Matilda, the musical, um, and so which she... which is on on Netflix and and yeah. uh, Amsterdam, I believe, is on HBO Max HBO. right now. Yes, so it it's yeah. you know they're 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 out there. She's things, out there. Things She's make their there. way. Yep. Okay. All right. Let's get to your. Uh, let's do this. The the specific episodes that you you guys pointed out. And again, the rules were that you could not pick episodes from the shows that made your top ten best list. Yeah. Um, made either, to... They made either of our top either, tens, which yeah. meant that there which meant that there were, I believe, seventeen total shows that were ruled out. Okay. Which you know takes takes away a lot of the it does the best does. shows. And also, while Angie and I don't have identical tastes, I believe. Three of the shows on our top ten list overlapped, but like five of the shows that were in her top ten were at least in my second ten. So, yeah, yeah. It, you know, a, lo- a lot of our be- a lot of the best shows on TV and a lot of the best episodes were simply ruled out and eliminated. Gotcha, so, gotcha. All right, well, let's talk a little bit about some of the stuff you chose. What, where would you like to go? What are what are some of the specific episodes of television that stood out for you in 2022? Well, a lot of what we do is we sort of we're sort of trying to find ways to give nods to things that maybe we didn't recognize in other places. Then we also did a, a list of kind of superlatives, which was just you know things that we wanted to say about shows that we liked. So. Yeah. For example, The Crown, which is a show that by no stretch of the imagination lacks for acclaim or visibility, but it didn't make either of our top tens, and I don't think it made either of our uh, second tens either, which because, you know, I, I honestly thought that the season was a little bit on the on the bumpy side, but yeah, we yeah. did single out the episode Couple 31, which was specifically the, the, the Charles and Diana divorce episode of The Crown this season. Spoilers for people who didn't know oh, that no. Charles and Diana got divorced. I, I, feel like I, I feel like I need to warn people that that, that happened, that the marriage not going so well. Uh, but yeah, that was the episode that, that to me stood out most this season, in particular because to me it felt like it was getting back to Peter Morgan's roots as a, as a playwright. So it basically... It's it's a two-hander for the most part with Charles and Diana sitting in a kitchen lamenting the decline of their relationship, trying to find the moments that maybe they did have love or whatever, and then the moments that things fell apart. And it's an episode that is significant because it, it, there is some affection between them, but it, that's not the way it goes. It is absolutely the best episode uh, for um, Elizabeth Debicki's performance, which I thought was very good as as Princess Diana. I didn't like her so much when she was in the Princess Diana's being miserable mode because I thought that Emma Corrin did a lot of that two seasons or last season, two years ago. I thought and I thought they were fantastic. Um, similarly, obviously, Kristen Stewart did a lot of it in in the movie for which she was nominated for an Oscar, right. etc. Uh, so uh, that's a great episode, couple thirty one. Mm-hmm. Um, Let's see, what else did we have? It was a chance to talk about an episode of Abbott Elementary that we really enjoyed. Uh, so we could have chosen any number of episodes. I chose Development Day because it's the episode that features the cameo from Gritty. And to <laughs> me, a Gritty cameo is sufficient enough reason to want to sing the praises of anything. And it was right. a, it was also a great cameo. So uh, I thought that was a great episode. This Fool on Hulu is a show that not a lot of people have watched, but I I keep talking about it in the hopes that eventually people will find it. And it has been renewed, but uh, it is... Tell me about that one. I'm not even... 
Sure, it's, it's no, it, it, it didn't get a lot of, uh, it really just didn't get a lot of publicity, though it got very strong reviews. Uh, Chris Estrada is the star and one of the creators, and the premise is basically it's about a, um, a guy from South Central LA, his uh, cousin moves back in at home, his cousin gets out of prison, the guy happens to work for a gang rehabilitation center called Hugs Not Thugs. Um, and so basically it's it's just kind of identity-based humor that's that's really very funny and sometimes dark and sometimes emotional. This particular episode uh, is a great episode for co-star Michael Imperioli, speaking of people who had a great year because yeah. he was in both this and White Lotus, obviously. It featured guest stars uh, Fred Armisen and Eliza Coop, and the episode is Bleep the Rich. I don't remember on this podcast. Yeah, can we you can swear? Say it. Yes. Ah, oh, excellent. Well, I mean, it's it's technically bleeped in the in the title, but it's it's fuck the rich anyway. Uh, and so it's about the this this horrible rich couple that is prepared to make a large donation to Hugs Not Thugs, a donation that will keep it in business forever but they have one particular request that makes nobody comfortable and i'm not going to spoil it because people Mm -hmm. should watch uh Mm -hmm. this fool but it is terrific um for whatever reason the new season of russian doll didn't make either of our lists and it's a show that i really love and i don't know why it kind of faded a little bit in my mind uh and so it didn't make my top 20 but we singled out uh, uh matryoshka which is the finale of the season, which um, is to me just really impressive because once again, Natasha Leone is, she's operating on a wavelength that is only her wavelength. And it, there are so many things happening in the latest season of Russian Doll. And the thing I like about the finale is what a good do- a job it does of actually kind of bringing the pieces together. And so I wanted to single that out. We mentioned some some kind of predictable episodes. Everyone wants to talk about the 18-minute single-take episode of The Bear, and mm. it's a great episode. So we we talked about that episode. Um, what else did we single out? We talked about the sixth episode, the Rosie O'Donnell episode of, of A League of Their Own, uh, which was a really good show that kind of got lost in people being like, oh, it's not the movie but at the same time, people were like, oh, but it's trying too hard to be like the movie. But if you actually go back and actually watch the season, the first few episodes are trying to mimic the movie aggressively. Later episodes are much more distinctive. This was the most distinctive of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talked about the That's Amore episode of White Lotus, which is the fifth episode of the season. Um, it's, specifically, it's the episode where Tanya goes to see uh, Madame Butterfly. At the yeah. at the yeah. opera house in Sicily, and, and has that, that uh, and has that famous, well, not famous, but infamous ending. Indeed, final, it, has, it has yeah. the it has the revelatory, shocking <laughs> ending. Right. Um, and I thought, and that one was just one I wanted to single out. But, but you know, I, we've we've talked about it multiple times in our past couple of visits. What a what a very good season of White Lotus it was, and that was just the one that kind of stood out to me as as bringing the season to. Uh, kind of a peak. We talked about the musical episode of The After Party. That's one that people really, really enjoyed. Uh, just, there's so many good episodes of TV and, and doing a list like this, you could either just do, okay, here's our 10 best, and that is what it says on the headline of the thing. Yeah. Uh, but, but then you're just talking about 
you're talking about the 10 shows you love. And this is a good way to kind of talk about other shows that had either great years or great episodes. And so we, we talked a lot about those. Okay. All right. And that's, uh, that's all available at Hollywood Reporter. You can, yes, exactly. Uh, you can check that out. Uh, do you like going back and like sing, do you, doing stuff like this? Do you, do the year-end things, uh, Dan, do you have fun going back and looking? looking uh... I do. I, I'm one of those people who instinctively rates things i i know that definitely i have colleagues we both do who, who think yeah 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 it's just too difficult it's it's making arbitrary subjective choices about art and ranking it some people find that annoying and i understand that completely my instinct is always to rate things and then i take it very seriously because again like like your like when you choose your favorites if you know that your favorite isn't something that's the most obvious some of the things that we singled out both of us on our respective top tens are are obviously the things that ever all the critics talk about as their favorites but then you always try to make sure to do a good mix so that it's okay here are the couple obvious ones here are the couple things that and here are the couple things that i like that nobody else watched and i like doing a mix of that i like i like getting to the end and being able to look at my list and go okay that is a representative list of great TV from 2022, even if if you were to ask me today, maybe the list would not be the identical list that that ran in the magazine and that ran online. It, it's, it's the fun of the game. It's it's yeah. all it's all silly fun. And, and I find it amusing. Yeah. 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 OK, cool. That's it's, my, my, my thoughts exactly on when I go back through. Uh, on the to the movie stuff and remembering things like oh yeah I forgot I really like that or boy that was a good performance and like getting to you know to turn people on to stuff they might not not have heard of is also a lot of fun exactly and so and and then you and then you have to reap the whirlwind of of people being like hey you left out dot 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 you left out dot 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 that invalidates your whole list yeah, and a lot exactly. of the things that people complain about are things that made my my list of my second ten the the honorable mentions here and and all I can say is that the difference between the 16 and 17th show on my list and the number seven or eight or nine show on my list, it's it's so very little. It's those are great shows too, uh, but here are, you know, here are the things I wanted to talk about on the day that I actually had a deadline and had to turn something in. Gotcha. Well, you mentioned it. Before we get to your top 10, um, as you put uh, put it uh, in the Hollywood Reporter piece, let's mention your uh, your honorable mentions, and you put them in alphabetical order. And Absolutely. your honor your honorable mentions for twenty twenty two of best uh, television are. So the honorable mentions are uh, Evil, which made my top ten last year, which I know is a favorite of yours, absolutely um, without question, one of my uh, favorites, yes. high school, which is on Freevee. It is the Tegan and Sarah coming of age show, which is just really a special little show, and mm. uh, it hasn't been renewed yet, and people should watch it because because the good thing about Freevee is it's free. You have to watch mm-hmm. a couple of commercials, but it's a really really good show. Um, okay, and that's high school for people who... who that's who high school. Yeah. Um, Mo on Netflix, uh, which is from Mo Amr and co-created by Rami Youssef, whose mm-hmm. Rami would have made my third 10. Uh, the Rehearsal, which oh, I thought was fantastic and, <laughs> t- and easily could have made my top 10. Yeah, um, <laughs> incredibly uncomfortable to watch on a, in a great way. I mean... <laughs> it, it is it is a it is a unique show and yes, and yes. easily could have made my top ten. Uh, I was just happy to have it here. Also, again, there's there's a certain amount of kind of going for a spread. And when I got to my top ten, I honestly had too many 
HBO and FX shows. I and, gotcha. Uh, yeah. And that's where the rehearsal ended up. Uh, one of the sort of off, entirely off the grid ones that's on my list is Sherwood from Britbox, uh, which is a just a really great six episode British murder mystery investigation set in a set in a mining town against the backdrop of both the fact that it's a mining town on the outskirts of Sherwood Forest. And so mm. when people start getting uh, killed with arrows, that becomes a conversation point. Mm-hmm. Uh, all Robin Hoodie and stuff, though no one involved wants to deal with the Robin Hood of it all. But also it ties into minor strikes from 25 years earlier. It's it's just a really great show. It's got a, a, a phenomenal cast. David Morrissey, Leslie Manville, bunches of people who you will Jeez, recognize. Wow. Um, and But it's on BritBox, so no one has a clue what it is. Uh, but this is, again, my chance to say Sherwood, BritBox. Cool. Really good. All right. Uh, continuing along, Somebody Feed Phil on Netflix, the uh, the food travel show, which is just yeah. one of my total pleasures. It's just a show that I sit down for 45 minutes and it makes me happy. So yep. Yep. there's that. Not likely to make people happy. Uh, this is going to hurt on <laughs> AMC+, Plus, um, which is a miserable dark comedy about a messed up OBGYN dealing with the British healthcare system. Uh, main character played by Ben Wishaw, just phenomenal performance. Ben Wishaw's almost always phenomenal in things. He's great here. So that's AMC plus this is going to hurt uh, the white Lotus on HBO. We've talked hmm. about that plenty. Uh, one of the shows that most people have been saying the, the most frequent your list is invalid because you didn't include show is severance on yeah. Apple TV plus and I got no problems with that. It's a it's a great show. Absolutely great show. Um, it probably, if I had put these in order, it probably would be eleven or twelve on my list. Um, and again, almost no difference between that and six, seven, eight, nine. Right. Uh, yeah, great show. And if you think it should be in the top ten for the year, not going to disagree. And another show from my top ten last year that didn't quite make my top ten this year is Apple TV's terrific alt history uh, for all mankind. Um, it is a show that is full of things I love um, and and does so many things so well, but I am not going to put a show that has a character as horrible as Danny from For All Mankind on my top ten. So some, <laughs> okay. sometimes a single character is bad enough and bad enough handled <laughs> that it takes All everything right. else out. So sorry For All Mankind. I still love you. Okay. All right. Now your top ten. Uh, these are, uh, again... You know, you put a lot of thought into this and uh, in terms of ranking, in terms of what made it here and what made it there. Let's start with number 10 and count your way up to your favorite show of 2022. Okie doke. Number 10 is Andor on Disney+. Plus. Have you gotten around to starting it yet? No, I haven't. And um, I, I always uh, – I'm, I'm so hesitant about anything Star Wars related, but everybody um, assures me because the only Star Wars movie that I truly, truly love – is Rogue One. It's the only one that I care about. It's the only one that I actually think is a good movie. Uh, and everybody tells me that because of that, I should watch Andor. Absolutely, you should watch it. Uh, but absolutely, you should be conscious of the fact that the first three or four episodes move at a peculiar pace. Uh, okay. They move at a, at a slow pace. They move at a meandering pace. They move at a pace where probably the first four episodes could have been cut to too easy. But once you settle into the show, it is a show with so much undercurrent, undertone, subtext that has 
never been dealt with in this serious and nuanced a way in the Star Wars universe. It is mm-hmm. a it is a ground level Star Wars story about the people affected by all of the stuff that we've seen in the more adventurous, uh, puppet-heavy, CGI-heavy versions of this universe. And it is uh, well-structured by by Tony Gilroy. Um, it, it, they're sort of, it's broken down as three or four three-episode arcs. And each of the arcs is a slightly different things. So there's a multi-episode arc that's basically a heist arc, and it's a little bit more fun than a couple of the others. Yeah. Uh, there's there's one that's a uh, three-episode p- um, prison break run, and that's also terrific, featuring a fantastic, uh, should-be Emmy-nominated when it gets around to that in nine months, uh, performance by Andy Serkis. I, I think it's probably his best live-action work. I think mm. he is he is great. Um it's it's just exciting and fun and smart and and smart in ways that are different from anything that Star Wars has done before. I am not uh, I am not in your camp that Rogue One is the only good Star Wars. I like <laughs> me I like me some New Hope and some Empire Strikes Back, and I yeah. can even be happy with the the pandering of the Force Awakens and all of that. This is a completely different thing, and I appreciate their ability and willingness to do it. You sh- okay. you should check it out. But again know that it starts off gotcha iffy okay number nine um, number nine is we need to talk about cosby on Showtime. by the way uh i am having i have a live uh, event at zany's in rosemont here mm-hmm. on january 17th and my special guest is Dwayne kennedy okay so i just thought i'd bring that up considering you're about to talk about uh, a guy that he works with on a regular basis we need to talk about cosby and it is w kamau bell's uh four-part showtime documentary series that uh, you know the 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 title pretty much says it's Mm. it's how do we deal with bill cosby how do we deal with bill cosby in the context of the conversations that we're always having about separating art from the artist and all of that and it's just we're constantly having those conversations we're constantly having them badly And part of why I appreciate we need to talk about Cosby so much is because any time I saw a documentary that didn't have the conversation smartly, that didn't have the conversation well, all I could think was W. Kamau Bell did it right. Right. And so that's why this ended up on my top 10 is because the more times I watch something else and go, God, I wish it had been, we need to talk about Cosby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. that, That means... Yeah. They did something right, and it's it is absolutely unflinching in its treatment of the fifty plus women who have accused various degrees of sexual misconduct against Bill Cosby, while also going into the here is why Bill Cosby was important, here is why he was powerful, here is why he was significant, but also at the same time, the fact that he was as powerful and as significant and as important as he was those helped facilitate his being a sexual predator to the degree to which we have to say allegedly i'm not even sure if we need to anymore so yeah, yeah. um so yeah so it it does a good job of looking at both of the things at saying you can't suddenly say that i spy is not important you can't say that picture pages 
didn't shape people's childhoods. You can't say Fat Albert wasn't significant. You can't say the Cosby show wasn't significant. And you can't say that 50 plus women haven't accused him of right. of being a sexual predator. So right. it does all those things yeah. well. I thought it was terrific as well. I thought yeah. it was really great. So. Okay, eight. Number eight is Pachinko on Apple TV+. Plus. It is based on the Min Jin Lee novel, which I also can't recommend highly enough. It is a great book, and it is a great TV series that does write by the great book without adapting it directly. It, it takes a lot of structural leaps. The book is very, it is very linear and part of how it builds its cumulative power is through its linearity and through the epic scope of the story as it progresses through the years. The TV adaptation does cutting back and forth between the present day and uh, pre-World War II and then into World War II, Japanese occupation of Korea, um, the impact of what happened to Korean immigrants when they were forced to come to Japan and were treated as second and third class citizens. It is an epic story. Um, and it is just, it's just beautiful television for, for grownups. It is, mm. it is deep. It is beautifully produced on every level, gorgeous cinematography, gorgeous period costumes. It is mostly in foreign languages, but in a wide array of foreign languages. So it's in Korean and Japanese, but specifically dialects of Korean and Japanese. And it does very smart things with subtitles and uh, how it color codes them. It's just a it's just a great epic piece of storytelling. This is the first season. I'm going to be very curious how they stretch it, because part of the show has already covered full chunks of the book entirely. Yeah. Other parts haven't been touched at all. Some parts we've reached the end of the story as it's depicted in the book and it's is going to have to suddenly start becoming uh, original. So I'll be very curious to see how it goes, but I loved the first season of Pachinko on okay. Apple TV plus. All right. Number seven, number seven is one of our favorite shows and a show that we talk about every other week. And, yeah surely could have been higher. And like I said, if I'd done a list of 10 best episodes with no parameters, six or seven of them would have come from Atlanta. So this is a ranking for both of the two combined seasons. The third season, which was half in Europe and then half standalone episodes. And then the fourth season, which was back in the States, mostly with our main characters, <laughs> sometimes not with all of our main characters together. Uh, and then an episode about the Goofy movie. So, right. <laughs> you know, no, just, a, just a show of such dazzling ambition and such unique and disparate and varied storytelling. And, yeah, just so many great episodes throughout the season, one after another after another. It was number seven on my list, and it, it could just as easily have been higher. Mm. Wouldn't have caused any problems for me if I'd wanted to put it higher, but we're actually we're actually in a streak of uh, shows that we've talked about. Yeah, basically every yeah. visit. No question. <laughs> number six. Number six. That would be Barry on yep. HBO. <laughs> another yeah. of our another of our favorite shows to discuss regularly, um, and just another great season of another show that, like Atlanta, is impossible to put in in a box. It is it is a show that initially is a is a high concept show it's uh it, uh, you know a hired killer becomes an actor in los angeles hilarity ensues except that so often no hilarity ensues because there is so much trauma that all of these characters are dealing with 
And so sometimes it's extraordinarily funny. Sometimes it's not the least bit funny and it's, it's, you know, harrowing. It's, it's emotionally raw. And sometimes it's incredibly action packed. And in certain episodes like uh, 710 North, it is all of those things at once. And yeah, Barry, Barry is a great show. I think, of its three seasons, this is the first one to actually make my top ten. So really? It's, I mean, it's the first two seasons were definitely in, I feel like one season was in my second ten and one season was in my third ten. But it hasn't been in my top ten previously. So, Oh, wow. So okay. I guess I feel like that makes this uh, <laughs> the best season of Barry. So, sure. Okay. All right, cool. All right. And then number five, another one that we... <laughs> Another one that we regularly discuss is FX's uh, Better Things. And this one, unlike Barry, is a show that has been in my top ten list every year, I think since the second season. I think the second season, one of the seasons was my top show of the year. I don't remember which year that was. And otherwise, it generally has has floated around in in the mid-top tens. This was the final season of Pamela Adlon's great, great FX family comedy, which is yet another one of those shows where from week to week, you don't know whether it's going to be silly and funny, whether it's going to be deep and emotional, whether it's going to be all of those things. And it's an, and a bunch of shows in their final seasons in my list here. So that's yeah. reflective of kind of the year it was. And I thought it was a great finale in particular. I thought it was one of those sort of all-timer finales that yep. did everything I needed it to do and absolutely left me with tears going down my face uh, and singing Always Look on the Bright Side of yep. Life. And yeah, just... Uh, I agree with you 100%. Uh, agree with you. That, that one would probably be... Um, number one on my, uh, if I were to choose, I think better things, this, that's this past season of better things was unbelievable. Un- just okay. Unbelievable. Um, okay. Number four, number four, uh, returning to the unscripted space for the U S and the Holocaust, uh, which is Ken Burns, Lynn Novick and Sarah Botstein's three part seven ish hour documentary about, and once again, it's entirely self-explanatory. It is yeah. about how the United States handled the early words of what was happening in Europe in the 1920s, 1930s, and 1940s, and why we failed to respond, and what it says about the American character, what it says about the American dream, and how sometimes we fail to live up to our aspirations, the aspirations scrawled on the Statue of Liberty. Um, It is... Obviously, it's horrible to watch. There's no other way to put it. It is right. it is a seven-hour nightmare, uh, but it is a seven-hour nightmare of heartbreaking stories, but occasionally stories of limited triumph, of, of heroism, of perseverance. It is just, and unfortunately, it's just all too relevant in a moment at which uh, public displays of anti-Semitism have been on the rise. And it's just a reminder of how far we haven't come and how easily we fall back into these certain scapegoating instincts um, as Americans, but also, you know, globally, there's always going to be that. Um, So it is, it is a, a harrowing story about American exceptionalism gone awry and uh, another show that definitely hard to watch without being reduced to to tears. But to me, this was one of Ken Burns's best 
films and probably his most emotional and certainly his most angry and for good uh, reason. And I agree with everything that you said about it. It was amazing. So. Just a, yeah, just a, just a great and Absolutely. important people. Yep. People should watch. It, so. Absolutely. Number three. Number three is My Brilliant Friend on HBO. This is the third season of HBO's adaptation of the Elena Ferranti uh, Neapolitan novels. And it's the second it's the second show on my top ten that is both largely in subtitles uh, and another show that I would describe as just gloriously produced television for adults. It is a show about relationships and about the relationship between two friends stretching over decades. The first season was largely uh, them as, as girls growing up in the slums of, of Naples. Mm-hmm. The second season saw one of the characters going off to college and the other one being left behind. And the third season takes the story into the late 60s and brings in uh, Marxist protests in Italy, brings in the rising feminist movement, um, and all of the stakes of the season are are raised. And so it is a season about marital infidelity, about struggles with parenting. And my brilliant friend, the first season made my top 10. The second season, I fell behind on it and... I caught up mostly by top 10 time and I made sure to put it in my honorable mention because I knew it belonged there. This season, I fell even further behind, but I knew I couldn't make my top 10 without having finished the gotcha. season. And that gotcha. was, it's, it's just a hard show to catch up on. It's every episode is 55 plus minutes. You, you got to pay full attention unless you happen to speak fluent Italian, uh, et cetera. But it is just such a great show. And it, and it really is such a deep show and such a mature show, such a beautifully acted show throughout. Um, I, I just love my brilliant friend and mm-hmm. not enough, not enough people talk about it, unfortunately. And so yeah. thus it is my job to tell people, watch my brilliant friend. There you go. My brilliant friend, which is on HBO. Um, and uh, number two. Number two is a show that uh, that I have mentioned to you one or two times that you should probably watch, um, and I will tell you to again, uh, because it is Better Call Saul on AMC, uh, and this is the final season, and uh, it, is, it is just an example of how to bring a show home, and uh, a reminder of why you don't quibble with Vince Gilligan and Peter Gould is because lots of people feel as if the final season of Breaking Bad is one of the great examples of how to bring a show home and people didn't think that they needed a spinoff from breaking bad focused on Bob Odenkirk's Saul Goodman and proved to be wrong. And this is another great way to bring a show home. It is a show that always had the thriller aspects of Breaking Bad in its background. There was always the drug cartel stuff. There were always the shocking deaths. But more than anything, the final season realized that it was a show about two people trying and failing to save each other. And so it was about Jimmy McGill, who becomes Saul Goodman, and about Kim Wexler, and about the questions of whether they could save each other, whether they could fix each other, when whether there was any sort of happy ending that either of those characters could deserve. Throughout the entire season, it made you question whether that was the case. Uh, and just 
Bob Odenkirk and Ray Seahorn are fantastic. The second half of the season, which aired in the summer and still is eligible for Emmy consideration next year, featured a great guest turn from Carol Burnett, who is Carol Burnett, for heaven's sakes, and was fantastic. It was sort of, how do you make one of the best shows on TV even better? Bring in Carol Burnett for an arc. Mm. Uh and yes, um, easily Better Call Saul could have been my number one show for the year, hypothetically, but instead it's number two, and I feel just fine about that. Okay. And number one is a great show, and it's uh, I'm, I'm glad to see uh, it that high up on your list because it's tremendous, even though it's confusing as to people as to how to watch it because of oh, this whole good. FX produced thing, then Hulu FX. What? But anyway, your number one. And my number one show is, is Reservation Dogs, which the second season which never aired on fx and yet is still referred to as fx's reservation dogs airing on hulu however you want to put it um but it is uh just just wonderful and this and while i said that better call Saul could have been number one on my list it really couldn't have because um i never had any doubts as the Reservation Dogs season was going along, that it was going to be my top show for the year because every single episode was was perfect. It was it was a perfect season of television. Every episode individually stands out as sometimes a little comic gem, sometimes a hallucinatory gem because there's an episode where uh, where Zon McLaren is tripping balls for the entire episode, and mm-hmm. it was. Fantastic. (laughs) Some of the episodes are heartbreaking and dramatic. Some of them are straight up hilarious. Uh, Like your number one movie of the year, it features a great episode featuring Mark Maron, who is just great. That episode focused on Lane Factor, who was not in the Fablemans nearly enough, but some people were able to go, ooh, it's Lane Factor. It's Cheese from Reservation Dogs in the Fablemans. That made me very happy. Um, And... Yeah, it's it's just a it's just a wonderful show. It is it is just a show that is like absolutely nothing else on television. Every member of the ensemble is flawless and flawlessly uh, selected. Whether it is people who you recognize from other things like Zon McLaren or Gary Farmer, uh, guest turns from people like Megan Mullally, um, or whether it's the young ensemble, including the aforementioned. Uh, Lane Factor, uh, Devery Jacobs, wonderful cast giving wonderful performances, and sometimes you laugh and sometimes you cry, and it is, it is the texture of a great novel, a texture of great short stories, and the texture of reality. Um, and I love Reservation Dogs so much, and I lament that not enough people talk about it and that not enough awards organizations acknowledge its existence. So the Golden Globes will be in two weeks and zero nominations for Reservation Dogs, which is the same number it got from the Emmy voters back in back in the summer. And so I find that to be a horrible sham because Reservation Dogs easily was my number one show of 2022. And you can read all about it and more uh, at uh, the fine print and at the Hollywood Reporter. Um, and uh, you know, I I've saw almost all of those all of the shows that you mentioned, most of them. Uh, and I agree with you on the quality of uh, of those of those great shows. Uh, I really do. Um, and uh, again, don't be confused by how they're advertising Reservoir uh, Reservoir Dogs. God damn it, Reservation Dogs. Um, and uh, it's on Hulu, even though it is FX produced, whatever that means. It's but, always the safe thing to do is that, and, and this is the way that FX people try to accentuate it, is that end of the day, um, every show that 
FX has made is on Hulu at this point. Right. So sometimes you have to, sometimes the episodes are on FX in a regular weekly airing pattern, but in every case they're on Hulu minutes later. um, And so it's all on Hulu. It's all on Hulu. Yeah, Yeah. There you go. Okay. All right. Well, listen, uh, Dan, always a, always a pleasure. And uh, what are we going to look forward to? Because the next time we talk to you, it'll be uh, 2023. And uh, what are you working on uh, that we can talk about uh, at the beginning of January? You got some new stuff that you're looking forward to? I think it is going to be interesting to see what people have to say about a little show that no one knows anything about yet uh, called Paul T. Goldman, uh, which is from Jason Woliner, the director of The Last of the Borat movies. It is a... Um, it is a hybrid documentary type show with scripted elements. It's very hard to describe and it's embargoed. And so I can't even really tell you my opinions about it. Okay. People are going to be talking about it. Uh, that's a show coming up. And then the, the thing is mid season used to be sort of hit and miss. And sometimes it was just a lot of crap that had been left over. Yeah. that Didn't air in the fall. Um, there's a lot of big stuff coming in January, whether it's the HBO adaptation of the video game Last of Us or just so much TV coming along, coming down the pike. And so we will definitely be able to talk about some of the early January shows. Um, and then and then we can make fun of the Golden Globes for a couple more minutes because I guess we'll be next talking. God, will they have happened yet or not? I, I don't, don't know. Even... Well, the, the next time we the next time we talk, uh, the episode will drop on January tenth. So yeah, it'll, okay. It will, it will no, they, no, they won't because oh, they're they won't. airing. They're airing on. They're actually for no particular reason airing on a Tuesday because no oh, one gives right. a damn about the Golden Globes. So... And it's that night then, right? Yes. Yes. Oh, we, okay. So, okay. so, so we, we can not be able we'll, to talk about them, and that's just as well because they're utter garbage. But <laughs> we will still. There'll be a lot of stuff to talk about because guess what. Be. There's always a lot of TV to talk about, Nick. All right. Well, Happy New Year, uh, Dan. We will talk to you in uh, 2023. And and thanks. And everybody wants to to read all the articles about the best episodes and the best TV shows. Check out The Fine Print, F-I-E-N, and at The Hollywood Reporter. Dan, always a pleasure. We'll talk to you next time. Talk to you next year, Nick. All right, buddy. Take care. Bye. All right. Dan Feinberg. uh, And uh, he is... uh, He's the best, and uh, we're uh, we're gonna say hello to uh, we're gonna say hello right now to uh, Esmeralda Leon. Esmeralda, yeah, Esmeralda Leon, yeah, Esma. I'm talking about that Esma, Esmeralda Leon, yeah, Esmeralda, yeah, yeah, Esmeralda Leon. Right. Time to talk to Esmeralda Leon. She joins me every episode of the podcast. And here is Esmeralda. Hi, Esmeralda. Hello. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm okay. So uh, we were just past uh, Christmas of uh, 2022. Did you have a mm-hmm. did you have a lovely little holiday there? Was your Christmas nice? Yeah, it was fine. We don't yeah. really do much for Christmas. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was just going home to see my my parents and my brother and stuff. So we mm-hmm. had dinner together and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Let's well, I mean I I I'm an only child and my parents live like a mile away, so I just went over there. We made uh my mom and I made a ham. 
That's and, nice. Uh, yeah, and you know some uh, some sides and stuff, and we did that, and we watched a lot of Carol Burnett. Oh wow! Yeah, because Carol Burnett, <laughs> Carol Burnett was the you know you know the uh, the cable channel decades. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Decades TV, uh, which the people over at MeTV, uh, that's an offshoot of MeTV, Neil Sabin, those uh, wonderful people over there, they run Decades and program it. And every week they do this thing called the Decades Binge, where from Saturday morning through Monday morning, they show one show back to back to back to back to back all weekend. And it's called the Weekend Binge. And so for for Christmas weekend, it was, they called it a Christmas Carol. Get it? Because it's Carol Burnett. Oh, I like it. Yeah, you see how that works? (laughs) Yeah, I um, want to know who came up with that and how yeah. proud they are of that. <laughs> I'll, I'll have to ask Neil or or, or maybe I'll, maybe Rich came up with it. I don't know. Rich goes. I don't know. But they showed nothing but Carol Burnett from Saturday, you know, at ten a.m. till Monday morning at like six a.m. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so you know, my parents and I both love Carol Burnett, and so we spent a good portion of Christmas watching Carol Burnett over and over again. That's not a bad way to do it, though. No, it was great. It's, I mean, that was something from my childhood. You know, like watching Carol Burnett was a big deal when I was a kid. And, you know, my parents love it. And so we ate some ham. You know, we did the, we exchanged some cards and some gifts and stuff and talked and hung out. Nice. And then watched a lot of Carol Burnett. And it was fun. And uh, this uh, cable channel called Screen Picks Action mm-hmm. showed Black Christmas 24 hours. So I opted for that. I like to see it, uh, considering, you know, it's the usual is a Christmas story. They're on TNT and And TBS. TBS, By the way, you know, it's nice to see a different one, though. Well, do you know who do you know what's what they have in common, Esmeralda? Black Christmas and a Christmas story. What's that? Same director. Oh, (laughs) same guy. Well, then (laughs) he directed Black Christmas in 74 and a Christmas story in 83. And, uh, like, two of the legendary Christmas movies that are completely legendary for different reasons. But, mm-hmm. yeah, so mm-hmm. I, I opted for Black Christmas over A Christmas Story. It was 24-7. I, hey, anytime yeah. you can watch Jocks. I, I, I would see that, yeah. Anytime you, would watch, anytime you can watch John Saxon for 24 hours, I'm a happy son of a bitch right there. So There you go. Yeah, so it was, my Christmas consisted of Ham, my folks, Carol Burnett, and John Saxon. That was my, that was my Christmas. <laughs> Hey, we got a really nice uh, email here. We've been getting some really nice emails and 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 uh, messages and stuff since we did. This is episode one hundred and one, and our last episode was the big celebratory episode one hundred that was star studded. Esmeralda, it was like a telethon. It was. <laughs> I enjoyed hearing all of the celebrities, all the celebrities and stuff. But if you want to listen to it, the whole uh, there, the celebratory one hundred. So we've been getting a lot of congratulations and stuff like that. Um, yeah. And so Bill says, "Hey, Nick." Congrats on 100 podcast episodes. Boy, doesn't time fly. I'm pretty sure I've listened to every single one of them and a few of them, like with Dana, uh, Stephen Tobo, Suzanne Vega, and a couple of others, I've listened to multiple times. Um, Your 100-episode celebration podcast was a total blast, too. I know I'm going to listen to that one again. Looking forward to listening to the next 100. I can't wait to hear your SNL podcast, and I'm going to try to fix my schedule so I can get out to Zanies for that live show in January. All the best and happy nice. new year to you, and of course to Esmeralda. That's from Bill. Oh, that thank is you, very, very nice. It was very nice. So thank you. And if you, if you'd like Bill, if you want to come out to see us live, um, it's January seventeenth at Zany's. It's a Tuesday night. Starts at seven thirty. We had an unbelievably good time the last time. Uh, very interactive oh, stuff. Sure. We got to pick up some. We Esmeralda, we have to discuss what we're going to taste test with our audience. 
So we got to pick up. Yeah. Some, we got to pick up some food. What are we thinking? Crazy, uh, crazy hmm. stuff. Maybe. I don't, let's see. Is there any holidays around January seventeenth? No, uh, <laughs> and I don't know when our in our. Unfortunately, we're, no. We're gonna do this one. If it is, I mean, <clears throat> I don't know. Can we? Because Groundhog Day is a couple of weeks after that. Can maybe I can get it? Maybe. <laughs> Maybe I can get Stephen Tobolowski to do a cameo somehow. I don't. Maybe I can get. You know what? I'll get Tobo was, to. Rec- I'll get Tobo to record something, and we can have an. Audio. I was thinking you were going to say like, groundhog flavored items. <laughs> yeah, maybe there are groundhog flavored items. Let's look that up. Oh, I'm sure. That- oh God. <laughs> I don't sure know if we there- want to get that crazy into it. I'm sure there are some sort of weird, you know, maybe not flavored, but you know, you know, like weird <laughs> groundhog-shaped <laughs> items that we can find, or I don't know. Let's look into that. Uh, yeah. So, because um, Valentine's Day is, I we I don't know what date our February one is going to be. So that mm-hmm. might that might be the time when we do the Valentine's Day thing. I think that's oh. probably you know what I mean. So we can do a Valentine's Day thing then. Even if it's a couple of days go. after yeah. Valentine's Day. I don't have the dates. Oh, of course. I mean, February is... That's Valentine's usually. month. Yeah. Exactly. So, but anyway, we're at, After we, Valentine's Day, we get the cheap candy. Oh, there it is. <laughs> now you're talking. We'll get a discount. <laughs> we are giving away a magic megaphone, an actual magic megaphone, the real deal, the, one, the, the, the same kind that I use for the magic megaphone. We are giving one away. That night on the seventeenth, it'll be autographed by me and Esmeralda, which means, what was that? That what what would we would we say? The value goes down. Yeah. Oh, right. of course. <laughs> well, we've already written on it, and then someone's going to be like, "Who are these jagoffs?" <laughs> <laughs> so you got a chance to win that, and other things. We got swag. I, I believe I know we're going to have coffee mugs, and I'm pretty sure we're going to have uh, Nick D uh, podcast T-shirts as well to give away. Um, so you'll get some, you'll get some swag and we'll have some fun. Um, you got a chance at all that. You'll be a part of the live broadcast and the great Dwayne Kennedy, one of the best stand-up comedians of all time, a legend is going to be on stage with us. My dad's going to close the show by telling a joke, which is what he's going to do today. Cause it's Tuesday and it's all on January 17th, rosemont.zanies.com, rosemont.zanies.com. Get your tickets now. Let's pack the place. It's going to be a blast. 847-813-0484 for your tickets to that. So uh, that's going to be a good time. And speaking of magic megaphones, Esmeralda, are you ready for this week's magic megaphone? Oh, this yes. episode? Okay. And again, this is taken off. <laughs> and I know you're thrilled by this. Uh, yeah, I love it. Um, I'm glad that people are taking it and, and actually doing it. Because, you know, we could have it and just like nobody's like, I don't want to do that. <laughs> everybody's doing it. I don't know. And I've still got some backed up and we get new ones in. If you have a request, if you want me to say something into the magic megaphone, have it come out in a weird way. It's a message from you to someone else, a general message, a plug, whatever you want to do. The Magic Megaphone and me, the Magic Megaphone monkey, are at your disposals for whatever you want me to say. You can mm-hmm. leave what you want me to say with directions and an email at nickdpodcast at gmail.com, or you can send it in a voicemail at 773-417-6948. So I will play uh, this one. This is a quick one and very easy okay. uh, to explain. This one doesn't have a complicated... <laughs> complicated mysterious story story to it no like the threes company u2 thing that we did that took 45 minutes to explain right uh this is kind of simple so here it is this is from stan and i don't think that uh he's driving a car with a girl his girlfriend in the trunk i don't think that's the same stan okay yeah no well don't don't think it's the guy who wrote that song i think he was gone (laughs) that's right did he drive off the bridge that's right he did 
Yes. All yes. right. Well, anyway, this is not a different stand. This is a, this is a different stand. He's not from Eight Mile. This is a different stand. Got it. All right. Here we go. Keep out of Nick's bin. Keep out of Nick's bin. Keep out of Nick's bin. I guess I. All right. All right. Yes. Okay. All right. So. <laughs> of Nick's. Keep out of Nick's pin. Bin. Oh, bin. Yeah. Okay. Uh, do you do you know what that's connected to? Uh, no. This. <gasps> is it you? McRib is back. Oh, right. Yeah. It's uh, your bin. <laughs> your... <laughs> my bin of McRibs. Uh, that Although, I weren't keep. you very you were weren't you very giving? I was. I was very generous. Well, it was actually me and my friend Joe. Hey, listen, make up some more goddamn so, McRibs so we can eat. But I'm uh, saying, like, y'all, you were you were generous, right? Yeah, I, mean, I was. I don't know if why Stan, anyone. Stan was like, I love the McRib story, so why don't you say this? Keep out of Nick's bin. But, yeah. Keep out so, of Nick's Yeah, he wanted me to say that, uh, but although I was generous, you're correct. I was generous with my McRib hunks that I would Now, do. how many people actually wanted a McRib Mo- hunk? A few, mostly me. It was mostly me and Joe. Mostly uh, to yeah. be, you know, to be quite honest, me and Joe were like, "Get the hell out! Uh, let's go! Let's eat!" And we would just like chow down on the, oh, on the McRib. Good lord. <laughs> so, <laughs> anyway, so there you go. Thank you, Stan. If you have a <laughs> magic megaphone, magic message, uh, whatever you want, uh, send us the details there in an email. Uh oh. Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and I love Nick's show. Hi, Carrie. How Hi, are I'm you? Carrie Russell, yeah. and I love Nick's show. There, thank you, Carrie. All right. Um, so, now you remember uh, Ray, our good friend Ray, sent us a uh, left us a voicemail. Oh, hold on, I'm going to sneeze here. I think. Hold on. Oh boy. I'll pay you five dollars to not sneeze. Uh, I did. I turned off the mic. Ah, well. <laughs> so no, no five dollars for you. No five dollars for me. Damn it. <laughs> So you remember our friend Ray from the South Side, who used to live a couple of right right down the street from the um, the the giant statue of the uh, Native American Indian at sixty third. Oh yes, who shot arrows would, at it? Yes, he would get drunk and call okay. my overnight yeah. show. He would get drunk and call my overnight show at like three o'clock in the morning live on the car wash and say, "Hey, nigga, I'm going to shoot some arrows at the Indian," and then he'd shoot arrows at the Indian, and they would stick. Right. He would actually, and so we discussed this. Well, uh, we were talking about how Ray moved to the northwest side. And remember, actually, uh, when... Uh, oh, wait. Hold on. Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and I love Nick's show. And she's holding, Hi, up, four, she's holding up four arrows that got shot into her butt. Remember? Oh, right. Um, because now she Ray lives... Did she go to lives... Quick Care to take care of that? Or... <laughs> she did. There's right, right down she's the street. Did do it herself? Just no, actually, they're opening, up, they're opening up a, a right down... They're actually, uh, actually where... Um, uh, Sabatino's restaurant used to be. It's now going to be at Urgent Care. They're, t- oh. they're building that right now, um, right down the street. But anyway, so she just showed me three arrows that uh, that Ray mm-hmm. shot into her because he now lives on the mm-hmm. northwest side. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. we have a, fo- a follow-up voicemail. Are you ready, Esmeralda? Here. Yeah. Okay, listen closely. Yeah, Nick, one more thing. In celebration for your 100 show, I'm going to pack up the uh, I'm going to pack up the tools of the trade, if you know what I mean. Head on back out to the south side and uh, put a couple in the back of uh, the Indian in your honor. All right, brother. Take care. Thanks, Ray. 
Oh my god! In my in my honor, I appreciate that. Thank you very much. Just don't get arrested or anything. I know, exactly, like, dude. Considering don't... you don't live over there anymore. <laughs> so he's gonna like put his bow and arrow in the car and drive to sixty third and Pulaski and just shoot arrows at the Indians. He's gonna he's gonna be. We're gonna have to bail him out. I think. I think that's gonna happen. Uh, you're on your own, sir. Well, I'm on, none of that. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Anyway, I wanted to play that for you. So that's that's, that's, that's what's happening in, in the world of, yeah. of our of our. Well, we'll just keep an eye on the news, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> See if anything uh, happens. Or if the Indian side. I think I broke my ass. We know why. Right. <laughs> All right. Um, okay. So there was a story that I wanted to talk to you about as well. Now, what, you know, we, we've talked about a lot of celebrity stories. Mm-hmm. And some really outrageous ones and some weird ones and celebrities doing stupid stuff. Though I thought maybe it would be kind of fun to talk about, like, celebrities doing acts of heroism. Yeah. Yeah, I could. Yeah. We've read about stories like this before, like, uh, of, you know, of celebrities actually doing, you know, heroic deeds. Right. So I thought we would... uh... We would check that out. Now, it, it, this is a, a, an article that I sent to you uh, or that mm-hmm. we put in there about uh, heroic celebrities. And what what, uh, what pops out uh, for you? we got some great stories here, I think, of some celebrities doing some really uh, heroic things. Well, the one that I've, and I think I've heard this story before, is from our favorite, Colin Farrell. Oh, I love him. Uh, So when he was in Toronto making a movie, he bummed a cigarette off of a homeless guy named Dave, and he got the two got to talking. Uh, Farrell stayed in touch with Dave and wound up taking him shopping for clothes and supplies and giving him rent money. Dave is now sober and is no longer homeless. Yeah. As of this article. (laughs) Yeah. That, you know, I mean. That's very nice. It is. It's something that I kind of wish that if I had money. I always think about it. Like if I had money, I would, I would totally try to do that. To, in ha- some to help way. someone out in that regard. Yeah. Try to, I don't know. I mean, cause that's all you, I mean, a lot of times that's all you need. You just need that one leg up. You need, you know, a house, a right. place to stay. And then right. from there, like a lot of things are solved because then you can shower, you have a secure place. You're not this and that. So, so yeah, it's, it, I always think about that. Like if I had, if I was rich, I would try to do something like Colin Farrell did. Yeah. And it doesn't surprise me that, no, it's, it's very, I mean, that's a really nice thing. It's, and again, you know, like helping a guy out with some clothes and stuff like that. That's like a, you know, that's like a drop in the bucket to, to Colin Farrell. You know what I mean? The guy's love right. Um, Cause like, yeah, he gave him rent money, but it's like, you know, he probably just got him a, a little modest apartment, you know, yeah. it's not some billion dollar home. Yeah. So it's very and, sweet of him. I and think. I'm not, and I'm also not surprised that Colin Farrell would do something like that because uh, I, I just adore him. I really do. Um, yeah, and I've always, I've always loved him. He's, he's like very high on my list of man crushes. Um, you know, and then and, this, I'm sure, just brings it up even more. Oh yeah, no, I love him. I love him. <laughs> um, and he uh, had a a pretty spectacular year, um, 2022 movie wise, and and. Uh, because oh, yeah? Yeah. He, he was in After Yang, which is this wonderful, uh, really intelligent and uh, and really moving sci-fi um, film uh, called After Yang, which was lovely. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was also in The Batman, uh, which I think is the best Batman movie of all time. He played the Penguin in that. 
And now he's killing it. I mean, everybody is watching Banshees of Inisherin now that it's on HBO Max. Um, everybody I know has watched it at least. I know people have watched it three times over the over the past week. <laughs> people have, nice. And uh, and that is going to get him an Oscar nomination. I think he's going to win the Oscar for best actor. I think this is the year that Colin Farrell's finally going to he's going to get it. So um yeah I of hope course so. and of course I'm not surprised. I mean and, and I love the fact that he's like bumming cigarettes from people too. Like that's yeah. <laughs> Like the man doesn't have doesn't have any for himself. He can't right. send someone out no, to get uh, some. Like, yeah. can, <laughs> I, like, can, ah. I, can I bum a smoke from you? So, uh, well, other heroic. Uh, and I'm trying to remember if there were other like, um, you know, big uh, heroic uh, stories. I mean, we've we've heard nice stories. You know, who's like the who who kind of leads the the world of celebrity stories? Like, oh, that's really nice, or all oh, that's really that's really cool stories mm-hmm. is Keanu. Uh yeah, doesn't he? I I thought I heard that he also did something similar. He yeah he has he's done a lot of stuff like that and like there's there's a, remember um when the video first went viral of him somebody videotaping or video videotaping because you know it's 1987 <laughs> uh, of someone like filming him with their phone while he was on the subway and he gave up his seat to a woman. Oh, did he? Oh, that's nice. Yeah, there's. If you, I, I think if you Google it, Esmeralda, you'll be able to yeah. find it. Like if you see, Google... those are the nice little things that I'm like. And, well, and on top of that, you. he's counter reason he's on the fucking subway. You know what I mean? Like he's taking the subway. <laughs> I mean, he's got places to be. And yeah, and I, you know, and I just was like. And, uh, you know, and, and, and by the way, uh, Keanu Reeves uh, doesn't have a, you know, like if you watch the Matrix movies, I don't think you want to get on a subway with Keanu Reeves. There's a, there's a lot of crazy <laughs> shit might go down if you get on a subway with Keanu Reeves. You don't want to get on a highway with Keanu Reeves. You know what I mean? Like crazy shit will happen. Yeah. Uh, if you, don't want, you certainly don't want to get on a bus, especially if it goes over 50, if it goes under 50, 50 miles an hour, the whole thing's going to blow well, up. Well, I would maybe want to be on the bus because, I mean, he did all those people to get saved by him. He did, well, him and Sandra Bullock. You got to give Sandra Bullock yeah. some credit too, because she was. So I would. I mean, I would be in trusting yeah. hands. I but think. he, but he does all these kind things. He gives a ton of money. Like he, in order to when they when they made the new Matrix movie last year, that I think is fucking great. That everybody hates except for me and Tom Hush. We're the only two people on the planet that love Resurrection. You know, I will tell you, I completely hmm. forgot that there was a new one. I know. Well, I mean, it's a year old now, but yeah. But still. Come, yeah. Didn't even the the it's, fact that you said that I I had to think about it for a yeah, second. <laughs> that's what most people. That's how most people perceive resurrections. I happen to love it. I think it's great. <laughs> but um, he uh, wanted all of the people from the Matrix to come back. The the other ones, especially the stuntmen mm-hmm. and the people who did the stunts in the first, uh, you know, in the in the original trilogy. Yeah. And Warner Brothers was like, "We're not going to pay for him." He paid for their salary to come back. Like he. That's awesome. Yeah. And he does that all the time. He gives up his salary. He's donated a lot of money. He's had a very, very rough, he had a very, very rough, he, he, the, you know, the woman that he, that he uh, was engaged to died. Um, His sister uh, died of cancer. He's had like a really rough go of it. And, and as a result uh, has become in, you know, in the fact that he's got, you know, millions of dollars, he's incredibly generous. He's one of those guys like, like you would be Esmeralda. Who like if you had the money you would give it and 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 Keanu mm-hmm. is that guy, he's that guy, and he also rules. So that's nice. You know what I mean? Like yeah. Okay. So he's but yeah, also uh, apparently he's also very respectful of uh, women. There are multiple pictures where, he, where yeah. he's where he's be, you know he's taking a picture with someone and you see his hand behind them, but it's like 
pulled yep. away. Yep. So he's not like grabbing them. Right. He, it's, these are these are fans, by the way. Like he'll take pictures with right. fans. Which you is didn't know thing. he's got one with Dolly. He's got one with Dolly Parton, and he's still doing the same thing. He's still he's doing being, not touching like, her. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. he's Keanu, man. He's the he's the deal. I love oh, Keanu. Keanu. I love him. I always have. <laughs> Even when you know, like now, everybody loves Keanu. It, it became like it became okay to like him. But I remember defending mm-hmm. Keanu. You know what I mean? Like back in the day, it was like Keanu's an idiot. He sucks. Blah blah blah. He can't act. Blah blah. And I, I was always like, fuck you. And especially when I was doing theater in like the mid and late nineties, mm-hmm. everybody hated Keanu. And it was like right before the Matrix came out where I would find myself defending Keanu Reeves uh, among a lot of like storefront Chicago actors who's like who are pissed cuz they weren't you know they weren't booking gigs and they would always yeah. use Ke- they would always use Keanu like hey if that fucking guy can get work and I'm like well because he's good that's why <laughs> because he's beautiful looking and he's good so so shut up <laughs> you know <laughs> so all right are you a fan of the Benedict Cumberbatch he's fine He's he's got I the best. Really, name. I don't really think about him. He's got the best <laughs> name. Uh, I, I I like Benedict Cumberbatch. I've liked him in a lot of movies. Um, I'm not crazy about the St- Doctor Strange movies mm-hmm. uh, at all, but I like I like the Cumberbatch. He was fucking great in Power of the uh, in uh, Power of the Dog mm-hmm. um, from last year, which was a phenomenal movie. Um, but here's a little story about hero he- heroism from uh, Benedict Cumberbatch. Uh, he risked his own safety to prevent a robbery. Late one night, the actor saw a bicycle delivery guy surrounded by some men. He stopped the car he was riding in and single-handedly stepped in to defuse the situation, even stopping traffic to bring attention to the man in peril. He saved the guy. Oh, wow. That's another thing you don't have to do. You're in a limo, and there's a delivery guy bitten, being fucked with by people on the street. You would, And don't you think, like, Benedict Cumberbatch would be, like, the last guy you would expect to go, oh, stop the call, please. I need to help this gentleman out. Right? That seems like they'd be like, okay, yeah, whatever, Benedict Cumberbatch, and then, like, punch him in the face or something. I don't... Yeah. yeah, exactly. Why don't you go solve another crime someplace else, Sherlock? You know what I mean? And then... Yeah, but I maybe I guess he's that... He's that, you know, like yeah. they, maybe they were so confused. I guess. I don't know. Because <laughs> it's ben- Benedict Cumberbatch coming out of a car. Like that's, you and, wouldn't expect that. And and somehow like last year, like he was the guy who should have won the Academy Award um, mm-hmm. uh, and he didn't. He should have won the Academy Award for Power of the Dog last year because he was amazing in it. Um, and some weird thing like a story like this where he gets out of a car to help stop a violent situation and the guy who won best actor over him walked up on stage and slapped the shit out of someone uh during the academy awards last year so is that weird mm. like the guy who actually stops a violent encounter gets robbed of the academy award by a guy who walked up on stage and slapped the shit out of chris rock so there you go. anything else also, on this maybe these, yeah yeah maybe these muggers love Benedict Cumberbatch. They could have been Marvel heads. What are they? Are Marvel heads called? What are they called? Do we know what Marvel oh, fans are called? I don't. Uh, do they have a name besides dipshits? Know. Do they have? Do they? <laughs> no, Mar- Marvelites, Marvelettes. I, I couldn't know. tell you. Yeah, not sure. Because okay. it was in England, so you know. Yeah, it could be. It I mean, could it be could like, be fans. Ooh, of, Benedict you know Cumberbatch. That's it, yeah. British. <laughs> was that was that a British accent? I was rolling. <laughs> yep. Was that, was <laughs> All right. Oi, 
It's Benedict Cumberbatch. Well, that's getting Australian wait, now, now you're for getting, some reason. Wait, no, no, no. You you were going like regular British, then you went to Cockney? You were trying Cockney out No, there. well, yeah, I was trying Benedict. That's a little more Australian, though, with the me. Anyway, he stopped it. <laughs> he did. Maybe they were Doctor Strange fans. They could have been Doctor Strange yeah, fans. Yeah, maybe. And maybe he just got out and did that shit with his hands. You know, Doctor Strange does that circular shit with his hands. <laughs> Nothing happens. They get confused. And then and the guy like, had time to run. The guy yeah, he got on his bike and took off and continued with his uh, DoorDash or whatever. Yeah. Or would that be, would that be uh, DoorDash in England? Well, it was a, yeah, it was a different one. Oh. Uh, equally silly name. It was called uh, Deliveroo. Oh, no. <laughs> That's what they call it in England? They call DoorDash well, Deliveroo? Well, it's one of them. One, one of, of the, the delivery okay. services. Right. Deliveroo. Deliveroo. Uh, <laughs> uh, would, you, would, would, you, would you enjoy ordering from Deliveroo? Shall, shall we order from Deliveroo this evening? Uh, okay. Get some takeaway. See, no, it's not going to work. I'm a... <laughs> you are the best. I had no <laughs> idea gonna... that you were so good with accents, Esmeralda. Yeah. Oh. Man, you mm-hmm. are unbelievable. Jesus Christ. Just like you and your imitations of people. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. That's right. You are, the, you are. Man, I didn't know I was working with Meryl Streep all these years. I had I no idea. God damn. All right. I'm next time we humble need to, Next time we it. need to do accents, I'm going directly to you. Whenever we need to do accents. Yeah. Uh-huh. Maybe. Sure. Maybe on January 17th at the Live at Zany's, oh, you can God. do some, some of your accents yeah. on stage. Maybe you can do some. Yeah. <laughs> I'll just come out with an English accent. No one's going to know. They're no like, one's going to know it's you. They're like, wait a minute. Where's Esmeralda? Who's this woman Hold on stage? Hold on a minute. Directly from <laughs> Manchester. How, how is that? Exactly. Oh, <laughs> yeah. God. Uh, all right. Uh, another uh, heroic uh, celebrity story that you found uh, interesting here? See, now this one is, well, it's along the Benedict one, but... Uh, Joan Jett saved a three-year-old boy from drowning. This was in 1985, okay, mind you, but uh, in in the ocean, which to me is a bit scarier than you know just a than lake. a pool, yeah, right, or a pool because the lake or the ocean can just take you away. Yeah, it can. you can get yeah. stuck in a current or whatever, and pfft, yep, you can't get back. Um, but she spotted a kid face down in the ocean. She jumped in. She was fully clothed and rescued him. And then she administered CPR until paramedics came to the scene. So she's she's an all, all yeah. she's a an all around amazing person. She can sing, yeah. she can play a guitar, she can swim, <laughs> she yeah. can, and she and knows CPR. <laughs> just add it to the list of reasons to love Joan Jett, of which there are yeah. millions, millions of reasons to love Joan Jett. Yes. So that's... <laughs> she is lovely. She's amazing. You know, she almost got booed off the stage at a concert I went to. Why? Because she didn't fit the bill. Okay, this was the, the. Are you ready for this? This is not, okay. So this is 1983. This is two years before she saved that kid in the ocean from drowning. This was 1983. Okay. okay. And it was the opening, the very first gig on the Police Synchronicity tour. So this was when Synchronicity came out, and it was okay. like the biggest album ever. And it I was mean, at, it I was could at, see it, but... Mm. It, well, listen to the whole lineup, because it wasn't just the police. Oh, so, okay. All right. And so this was at Comiskey Park. So it was, a, it was the big kickoff to the, big, the biggest tour of the year was Synchronicity. And at that time, Esmeralda, this was the year of your birth, so you don't really mm-hmm. remember this. But at no, that I time, <laughs> at that time, you could not get I was away. Birthed at that concert, you were birthed you know at that, that? concert. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, you were only, when this concert happened, you were only a couple of months old. 
You were you were only oh, okay. you you were okay. this was in July, so you were got three months old. Yeah. So all right, so you're three months old. You're you know you know you're in jo- you're you're a, you're a little baby in Joliet while I'm at Comiskey Park. Yeah. Uh, and and at Comiskey Park, launching the Synchronicity tour. And this uh, you have to understand when Synchronicity came out, the Police were the biggest band on earth. Every mm-hmm. breath you take, yeah. every breath you take was the biggest fucking song ever. MTV had just launched about a year and a half earlier, a couple of years earlier, and you could not turn on the TV without seeing every breath you take video over and over and over and over. They were the biggest band in the world. Mm-hmm. And they kicked off their entire world tour here in Chicago at Comiskey Park. And, uh, and you know, I don't know if you know, maybe you don't know this, that the police were my favorite band ever. I did not know that. Oh, okay. And I mean, and they still are, uh, like technically. And because the police existed from technically their first album came out at the end of 78, beginning of 79. So they existed from 79 and they broke up in, in 83. So their albums existed the entire four years. They existed as a band the entire four years I was in high school and that was it. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. <laughs> I was in high school from 79 to 83 and that's the police when they truly existed. Mm-hmm. So they dominated my life when I was in high school. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I could see so, that. So the summer of 83, the Synchronicity Tour kicks off at, uh, at uh, Comiskey Park. I go with my 22-year-old girlfriend. <laughs> oh, Lord. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I love to bring that up just to hear that response. <laughs> I mean, it's happened. It's not like it's happening now. Yeah. And I'm like, no, oh, by the way, God. You got to get this, it's like, by, oh. by the way, by this point, I was 18. I had just turned 18 when Sarah. Okay. So she was, I think, 20, 22, <laughs> virgin, uh, virgin 23, I think, at this point. Mm-hmm. But we had been dating for two and a half years already. Anyway. So wow. anyway. <laughs> so we go to Comiskey to see the police. And here was, this was the lineup, okay? Mm-hmm. Ministry. And this was before Ministry turned into the industrial. This was when they sounded like Depeche Mode. Oh, this was a... Hey, listen. Hey, listen. What the hell happened after that first album? He was with me, too. Joe was, Joe was there, too. Okay. So they so sounded... Ministry. Like, they were ministry. So it was when with, with Sympathy had just come out, and that was their very techno 80s album, mm-hmm. which is still mm-hmm. their best. Hey, listen. What the hell happened after the first album? Okay. So ministry, Flock of Seagulls. Oh. Okay. With the hair mm-hmm. and I ran. Okay. The Fix. Mm-hmm. Okay. Joan Jett and the police. Okay. So which band okay. doesn't doesn't yeah. really fit? Like at the at the time I could yeah. see why yes. she wouldn't fit. Yes. But like now it makes sense. But yes, oh, I could see it. Listen, to me and Joe, it made sense because Joan Jett no, yeah, fucking rules. And so yeah, you were like, like, this is great. But all the <laughs> other like, you know, like I mean the whole I mean the hairspray. In, you know, the, there was like a, like over Comiskey Park, there was a cloud of hairspray because of weird, like, <laughs> mohawks and all kinds of, like, you know, like, new wave hair and the clothes and all that shit. And the, you know, it was very, and she got booed, like, when she came out, because mm-hmm. she was, it was, it was ministry. And then I believe Flock of Seagulls. And then she came out, uh, or she came out second. But anyway, it was ministry, Flock of Seagulls, The Fix, Joan Jett, and The Police. And Joan Jett was the only flat out rock you know, rock and roll uh, band on the, on the marquee. And they mm-hmm. booed her. They booed her. And she didn't get booed off the stage, almost. But I think she may have cut her set short because of it. And, and people were booing, and I'm like, shut the fuck. I was pissed. I was like, how, would you, how are you booing Joan Jett? She was in the Runaways, you fucking idiots. 
you know. But even then, that's still. Yeah. That would be too hard for them, it, right? Absolutely. Like, to... No question about it. No question about it. Um, mm. But but yeah, so she got booed. Uh, and then, but she ended up like the police were like, fuck you. They toured with her. They had her. Right. I mean, they, you yeah. know, they had, they toured with her on that. And you know who else is responsible? You know what else the police, what band the police is responsible for? Well, not responsible, but helped kick off their career in a huge way. Mm-hmm. The Go-Go's. Oh, the Go-Go's, the Go-Go's uh, were on IRS, which was the label that Stuart Copeland's brother Miles ran, Miles Copeland. Mm, mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. Um, and the police loved the Go-Go's, and they opened on the Ghost in the Machine tour. The first time I ever saw the Go-Go's, before their, like, right before their first album came out, was at Rosemont Horizon. They opened for the police. Nobody knew who they were. And they obviously became the biggest girl group of all time, and obviously. But at that time, it was a risk for the police... You know, to say, uh, let's have this this girl group come oh, out and yeah. open for us, and and they and you know that tour completely kicked you know t- kicked off their career. You know, cause they, again, the police were huge in the eighties. So, um, but yeah, Joan Jett um, virtually booed off the stage at Comiskey Park. <laughs> it's insane. Uh, you know, that's are, yeah. People are dummies. I wonder I if don't. anybody to this day, I'm sure somebody regrets doing that. Yeah. And I, you know, in my or end, like, they say it with a funny like, "Guess I booed Jim Joan Jett off of a stage." Yeah, <laughs> because we wanted to see more of Flock of Seagull, and I'm not dissing Flock of Seagulls. I happen to love Flock of Seagulls, <laughs> and I love The Fix. The Fix is one of my favorite bands, and at that time, I liked Ministry. Before, hey, what the hell happened after that first album, Al Jorgensen? Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, another celebrity. Are you ready for another celebrity heroic thing? Yeah. All right. Are you familiar with? Uh, are you familiar with Tom Hardy? <laughs> uh, I think so. <laughs> I actually just saw, I mean, I've seen it before, but I was reminded uh, on Instagram or somebody posted it. It was uh, one of his MySpace pictures. Uh, MySpace, so it's him like with his with his like shirt. He's lifted up his shirt oh, and it's yeah, got the, yeah, yeah. The, the long, the tall angle. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, wearing like a sideways cap. It's quite a it's quite oh, no. a shot. Yeah, no, I mean there was a, he there was you know t- Tom Hardy has a pseudo hip hop background. Mm. He does. He was like what he was white boy hip hop for a while. Um, oh boy. Oh yeah. No, no, no. Those pictures and those videos are because he was a dancer at one point. No, you gotta. You know, yes, oh. Mad Max. My, Mad Max was it? Was <laughs> so Matt Venom. Yes, uh, and and terrific oh, actor. Yeah. Yeah. So Tom Hardy apprehended a moped thief and then saw to it that the thief got help. When he saw two moped thieves get into a traffic accident, he detained one of them until authorities arrived. The real heroism was when he tracked the 16-year-old down and reached out to help him to get his life together. Hardy said of the incident, he must stand accountable for what he's done, but he's got issues and he's in a bad way. And do we just give up on a 16-year-old? And he helped them out. Oh, wow. Well, that's yeah. quite nice. And again, I always I, I find this story to be weird because it's like a traffic thing and it involves Mad Max. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, he helps somebody out on a vehicle. And I and I find that I find that to be somehow appropriate. I think that's very sweet of it Tom is. Hardy. Yeah. I hope it all went well. And um, uh, Tom Hardy is uh, Tom Hardy's an, uh, an amazing dude. It, I mean, he, he and Charlize Theron did not get along on the set of mm. Mad Max. They hated each other. 
Um, and I guess he's sometimes he's difficult to work with. Um, but he did have to work with Shia LaBeouf, and he ended up punching Shia LaBeouf in the face. Um, when they made a movie, they made a movie called Legend together. I think it was what was it Legend, something. Uh, where they played brothers. It was a western where they played brothers, and I can't remember the name of it right mm. now. But but he and Shia mm-hmm. LaBeouf, and they're both method dudes, you know. And yeah. Shia LaBeouf has lost his mind. We all know Shia LaBeouf is nuts. Um. Uh, but they were on a lawless second... lawless that's it lawless yes. and they had i don't know you probably can see the stories if you're looking it up where he and labouf yeah butted heads and they got into a fight and i think it, tom hardy like beat the shit out because <laughs> like yeah no like, i would yeah yeah i don't who have to bet that on? up to know <laughs> in a, in a, i mean who are you gonna bet on in a fight shia labouf or tom hardy who do you think is gonna <laughs> right yeah no that's i don't know what shia would have to do to Weapons. turn that around, but Weapons yeah, is what he pretty much the do. only thing. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. So anyway, Tom Hardy, another guy helping out someone in need. Um, mm-hmm. So there you mm-hmm. go. All right. Well, let's do one more. What, what's the, what's one that pops out at you for another? And we can do more uh, celebrity heroism next time. What what's the what's the uh, the next one for you here? Um. So this is the one that I'm, and I've I, I think we talked about it before. Just Steve Buscemi. He was a firefighter yeah. with the New York City Fire Department, mm-hmm. and after the 9-11 attacks, he, he went back. He did. Uh, and he was helping. And Well, he started up again. So he worked 12-hour shifts to find and, and help survivors uh, when the attacks happened. Isn't that amazing? Which is very commendable. Yeah. Uh, you know... Um... It's a fa- Buscemi is a, is a, is an is a fascinating dude. He really is, and you know, always has been. And I love the fact that a guy who looks like that is a movie star. I love that. <laughs> but didn't we we talked about it the last time? He had his moments, like when he was younger. There was like in certain lights. Oh right, <laughs> right he can be that. attractive. Yeah. But then in others, you're just like, oh. Yeah. Um But then in some time, you're like, wait a minute. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's you know when you dress a certain way. Well, it's uh, it's. Don't you find it similar? Because we talked about this before. You're right. Because there are there are pictures of Steve Buscemi in the in the past, or when you would see him and go, oh, he's he's uh, he's weirdly handsome. He's you know. Yeah, if he closes his mouth. Right, and there's also he's like got that. Real, that's, his teeth that, are just. Yeah, they're better to be closed. But they're <laughs> but they're also but isn't also that that's true of Willem Dafoe as well? Because like Willem yeah. Dafoe is another guy. Oh like yeah. He, Sometimes you look at Willem Dafoe and go, "Oh my God!" because it's terrifying. Yeah. And the other oh, times definitely. you go, "God damn, he's hot." You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, there's moments, and again, it's like, yeah, whatever you're wearing, right? Hairstyle, yeah. How you're, you know, are you looking more angry or happier right. or whatever? Yeah, yeah. He has his per- moment. He's got his moments. Personally, I think Willem Dafoe looks his hottest in the lighthouse. That's the or. <laughs> Him and Robert because that's Pattinson. his true self. Him and Robert Pattinson, <laughs> yeah. Him and Robert Pattinson killing seagulls and farting for an hour and a half. I love that movie. He so is much. in he is in his true form there. Yeah, and you t- <laughs> and, and like Robert Pattinson is one of the most beautiful men on the planet. <laughs> Looks like hell in that movie too. <laughs> Shot in black and white, and they're all grimy and they're farting and there's dead seagulls everywhere. I love that movie. God damn it, I love it. But yeah, no, Buscemi's amazing, and and um, and again though, you know. That story is not is a very common story, not you know celebrity wise, but anybody who was ever whoever worked for uh, you know as a police person or as a fire person felt compelled mm-hmm. to go to New York and help out. That's in your blood, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. And even if you're even if you're you know you're 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 a big movie star like Steve Buscemi, uh, that never leaves you. And you you know and you went back down to the place where he he went to the actual you know the firehouse where he worked. 
mm-hmm. uh, to help out because he yeah, because he, in... he didn't have to. He didn't no. have to at all. I know. So very cool. Very very cool. All right, we got more uh, uh, celebrity hero stories to talk about. Those are fun. Instead of talking about, hey, this guy got, went out and got drunk and you know slapped somebody across yes. the mouth. It's nice to see the somebody nice... helping. Yeah. Yeah, the nice side. Especially if you're on a moped. <laughs> you're on a moped. Yeah. You're on a moped and you and you and you and you pass Mad Max and he helps you. That's a good thing. Keep an yeah, keep an eye out for a Benedict Cumberbatch or a Tom Hardy. And you're and you're fine. <laughs> All right. Uh Japanese uh food taste testing continues. Our friend Deanna sent us a bunch of candy and snacks directly from Japan. And uh what are we taste testing today? Well, I couldn't uh I cannot tell you what this one of the packages is because I don't I don't have my phone. Oh. If you Googled it's all in it, there's no English anywhere. Yeah. Let it's me see all in can... Japanese. Yeah, let me see if I Wait, can... they both are. <laughs> Hold on. Hold on. Uh... Um but one of them just looks like so one of them just looks like tiny little probably sweet crackers, I'm going to assume. Yeah. They look like tiny little balls. Little bread balls i guess and then i i my mine is different than yours mine is a cute little squirrel holding a yellow balloon mine overalls mine is a uh is okay by the way the little black thing Mm -hmm. says brown sugar table that's what it says okay and the word rope so I don't know what that. <laughs> that's what it translate. I did the translation. It might. It might be. It's a black. That might just be a little off, but we'll. Yeah, but it says brown sugar. Yeah, brown sugar table rope is the other word. <laughs> so I don't know what that means. Um. So I believe uh, these are Kasugai Okinawan brown sugar candy. Okay. So it's traditionally made. So uh, Okinawan brown sugar is traditionally made by slow cooking pure sugar cane juice, mm-hmm. um, and that makes the brown sugar. So then we're going to get a tasty, essentially piece of brown sugar. Okay. All right. And the other one is a milk bow. Is what it says. Milk bow. Um. And that's uh, yeah, that's, that, that's <laughs> the, the little crackers are like milk bow is what it says. Uh, so I don't know what that means, but uh, um, interesting. So, yeah, I guess All we'll right. find out when we eat we'll it. Find out. All right. Well, what do you want to try first? Which one do you want to do first here? Um, let's try the uh, Okinawan brown sugar. Okay, here we go. So this is the this Okinawan brown sugar. And it's yeah, black. these look like. These look like adult candy, not adu- like adult, but like grown-ups would eat these more than yeah, a child. Yeah, it's like a hard, it's like a, wow, this is black. It's like a black hard candy. Yeah, this seems, it's quite large, too. Mm-hmm. Ooh. I don't, I don't know. know if I like that. It's okay. Yeah. It kind of tastes like a Werther's, but not creamy. Yeah, that's exactly what it is, yeah. It's got a very a non a non creamy Werther's. It's like a mapley syrup thing. Mm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So this is Okinawan brown sugar. Okinawan, yeah. Mm. Okinawan brown sugar. That's what it tastes like. And we can't because that's going to take forty five minutes for us to suck down. To oh, that's going to be. Gonna, 
We don't do a lot of context anymore, but that's just uh, enjoy them, folks. Just enjoy, enjoy them, them when you hear them. Suck on, <laughs> suck, yeah, suck on that for a while. Um, but it's, it is um, brown so sugar. I, tastes like tastes like brown sugar. So I found the uh, the cracker, the little crackers. Okay. So these are called dagashi. dagashi. So dagashi is a Japanese cheap sweet and snack that's popular among children. Ah. So this is probably something you give a little kid, like here, kid, and it's enjoy. fairly en- cheap. Okay. A little cracker. It's a uh, Japanese a... corn snack. Japanese corn snack. Okay. Yeah. And, they uh, love corn. And, We've uh, had a few corn they, things. Yeah, there's a lot of corn stuff, uh, a lot of corn flavor stuff. They enjoy corn. They do. And I've got, so a, little, gonna, I got a little dog a, playing, a, playing a drum on mine. A drum. Oh, okay. Mine's a yeah. cute little squirrel with overalls okay. and a balloon. Okay. <laughs> Mine's playing drums. Here we go. So I'm going to assume these are going to be like corn pops. Hmm. Yeah, a little sweet. Oh yeah, it's a little sweet. It's a yeah. little sweet at the end. Yeah, a little sweet, but it's got it's like that corn pop thing, crunchy. That's interesting because it's not you don't get it until at the end it hits the sweet hits you. Yeah, yeah. These are okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So they were both a little mapley at the end. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. yeah it was a too. theme that we just, <laughs> just that we just stumbled upon. Wow. Mm. Mm-hmm. All right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Not bad. Again, <laughs> um, continuing to uh, to be impressed by the Japanese food that we've been taste testing here. Mm. So, yeah. Uh-oh. Oh. Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and I love Nick's show. Hi. Hi get Carrie. out of the way. Hi, Carrie. Hi. I'm Hi. Carrie Russell. I, I know, Carrie. I, I know. Get out of the way. My dad's Nick got a show. joke here. My dad's got to tell a joke, all right? It's the best part of the week, baby. It's time to hear something funny. With your music intro. Ah! It's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. It's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. Nick's dad tells a joke. Yeah. What'd I say? It's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. It's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. Nick's dad tells a joke. Oh, yes! Here we go! Yeah. Hi, Dad. All right. Esmeralda, you ready for my dad's <laughs> joke? Always. All right, here we go. What do you call an obese psychic? A fortune teller. A fortune ton. Fortun. Fortune tell. That was jokey, jokey, jokey time. It was a jokey, jokey, jokey time. Yeah. Nick's dad told a joke. That one wasn't a thinker. We got that no. one right away. No, yeah. I got that one pretty quickly. You got that one pretty quick. Are you enjoying mm-hmm. your... Uh, your what? Uh, what are they called again? Snacky wackies, uh, wacky snackies. Die! I can't remember. Okay. But they're good. <laughs> All right. I clicked uh, out the page, so it's gone now. Okay. <laughs> uh, we will talk more heroic celebrities the next time uh, that we speak. And by the way, speaking of the next time on the next uh, episode, Doctor Keith Lipinski from AAW Pro Wrestling. Uh, we got a whole bunch of year-end stuff uh, that we that we are doing, you know, because you know it's the end of the year, and we talk about the best and worst of the year. Of We're going to talk about the, the year in pro yeah! wrestling. Yeah, yeah, man, the year. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah! 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 
So, yeah, pro wrestling. The year in pro wrestling on the next episode. Uh, and I want to yes. thank uh, Esmeralda for being uh, with us. As always, it's always oh, a blast. Of course. You want to be a sponsor. Uh, you uh, you want to advertise with us. Sales at RadioMisfits.com. You want to be a part of the Nick D Podcast. Anytime, anywhere, 24-7. Leave us a voicemail. 773-417-6948. Drop us an email with your comments, your questions, your megaphone requests. NickDPodcast at gmail.com. My thanks to Jason Skaggs, Ed, and everybody at RadioMisfits.com. Uh, and uh, join us next time for episode 102 of the Nick D Podcast right here on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Thanks for listening.